you know. Good morning. Today's a special day for us, all of us here at Christ Fellowship, because we have Jerry and Linda Newman with us today, this morning, and uh, you probably, most of you know them and some of you don't, but if you don't, make sure and get around and, and say hi to them and, and give them a warm Christ Fellowship welcome. But in fact, let's give them a welcome right now. <laughs> Jerry and Linda have been uh, serving the mission field in uh, in Brazil since 1984, and uh, uh, they got into town in the little old Everson Friday night, and we're there staying with Judy and I, and so the last two evenings we just had wonderful fellowship, prayer, and uh, we were also able to be joined by Dan and Vivian, Dan's the head of our minister, uh, missions, Matt, and the Smiths and the Causers also got in on that, so we just had a great time, and we want to thank these wonderful folks for for being here with us, and uh, we're going to all remember those evenings we spent together. And I want to present to you Jerry and Linda Newman. Thank you very much. Jerry has given me a few minutes here at the beginning to just present you sort of an update on our family. We praise God for the way he's working in our four kids' lives. Lydia. Our 28-year-old daughter is still living with us. She is in Brazil. She's very involved in the church and in studying. She's teaching English to support herself. She has a degree in teaching there in Brazil. She just finished a bachelor's degree in culinary arts, and she's working on... <laughs> yes, there's her, her graduation. Sadly, that was two days after we left. So we didn't get to be there for it. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, this just gives you a little taste of our city. You can see the high rises in the background. There's lots of high rises. We live in a city of 3 million people. We live very close to this reserve, ecological reserve, where there's jungle, trees, and a river. It's very beautiful. Lydia also is involved with a group of friends. There's five girls in this group, accountability group, that they encourage and support one another. And here they took a trip in the, a day to just travel on the trails there in the reserve. One of the gals is not there because she has a boyfriend. Um, <laughs> uh, these girls are often in our homes, in our home, around with us, and Lydia often will make a meal of celebration for us. This was either Lydia's or my birthday. The girl with the dark hair back by Jerry, her name is Lija, which is Lydia in Portuguese, and she lives with us also. Her family's from the interior, and she didn't have a place to live. For girls, for single girls, it's very difficult to be out on their own financially and even security-wise. So both Lydia and Lija live with us. <laughs> Go ahead. Okay. 
Uh, when we went back two years ago, the girls came to us and appealed to us to begin a ministry with young adults. The mindset in Brazil is that for the youth group, it includes 12-year-olds up until you're married. Well, that gets a little difficult to be relevant to the older ages. And so we talked to our pastor and started a ministry to those about 25 and older. Once a month, we would get together with them and study from the Word of God and just enjoy fellowship. Our desire was that that would reach out to other churches because hardly any churches are ministering to this age group. That didn't happen. And you will note that almost everyone that's there is a woman. <laughs> There's one man. And that testifies to the fact that there just is a huge lack of male believers that are really dedicated to the Lord. So you can pray for our girls. All those girls would really desire to get married and have a family, but they are more committed to having a godly husband than to marriage. And so they're content to remain single until God brings a godly man into their lives. Our third child is Luke, and he is married to Danielle. They both went to Master's College, but only got together after college, married, and now have two adorable little girls, Amelia, who is four, almost five, and Susanna, who's one and almost two. Luke is involved in a prison ministry where he goes in and to the prison and preaches in the chapel uh, once a month. Our second child is Rachel. She's married to Pedro, a Brazilian who is a co-pastor in a city about seven hours away from us where we used to live. And they have Samuel and Eliezer. It's been very interesting watching the dynamics when you have two boys together. We had boy, girl, boy, girl, and, and separated a number of years. And to see these two boys together, oh, my goodness. <laughs> After a week, I really knew how to better pray for my daughter. <laughs> but they are very involved in ministry. They're at the church where they are. Pedro, besides being a co-pastor, he has a ministry of a radio program once a week, or one hour a day, five days a week, and then two years ago started an internet radio program of 24 hours that he and a couple others run. That has been a huge ministry to some of our missionaries, Brazilian missionaries that are spread around the world. And I would just mention that you might pray for him his computer's ready to die. He's lost two hard drives that had material for the Internet ministry. So he's asking prayer for funds to be able to get a spot in the cloud to put all this information up there. Our oldest child is Nathan, and those are his two children. Nathan, who will be 16 next week, and Natalie, who will be 14. Nathan's had a rocky road recently. Basically, due to his sin in his life that went on for a long time, his wife is divorcing him. But as his sin came to light, 
God used that to help him see that he wasn't truly a believer. And so he got his life right with the Lord and is growing and ministering to his children in a way that his wife is not. And so his wife was Brazilian. And when all this happened, she went back to Brazil, is living with her parents, took the children with her. He's been able to go back and visit several times, but God has now brought things together to where he is moving to Brazil by the end of this year in order to be there, be involved in his kids' lives, and have that spiritual input that they're not getting otherwise. So we'd appreciate your prayers for Nathan and Nathan and Natalie. Are we on? Sorry, my microphone? Hello? Really not. But um, it's good to be here. As Jerry was explaining, we came to the church in 1981 and um, were accepted, and and, uh, the church has been supporting us since that time. Is it it turned on now? No? This is what I got to do. So we came here in 1981, and uh, the church has been praying for us and supporting us through the years. Uh, We praise the Lord for you and your faithfulness through the years that um, has sustained us. Uh, The first song that we sang this morning, Behold Our God, we have uh, a pastor who translated that into Portuguese, and we love to sing that. But I can remember the first time I sang that song, it was in English, and it was in this church. And I, uh, I really have come to uh, enjoy and um, love the words of that song and reflecting our faith. Matthew chapter, uh, Proverbs chapter 25. And the first verse, if you have your Bibles open, you will see that it says that these also are Proverbs of Solomon, which men of Hezekiah, king of Judah, copied. So we understand that although Solomon wrote and put together, arranged the first uh, 24 chapters in the book of Proverbs, a couple of hundred years later, that was still a recognized, inspired piece of scripture. But the wise men of Hezekiah sort of came to Hezekiah and said, but we have all these other Proverbs that Solomon spoke also, and we would like to arrange them. And so we believe that guided by the Holy Spirit, once again, they took those more uh, Proverbs of Solomon and they put them here and here together with the other ones. 
the first proverb that we come to, it is the glory of God to conceal things. But the glory of kings is to search things out. I want us to think about these verses. These are ones that have become very personal to me uh, in the last couple of months as we have uh, gone through some transitions. It is the glory of God to conceal things, but the glory of kings is to search things out. Matthew chapter 13 Matthew chapter 13 is in the, right after Jesus is uh, given the first of the parables there of the kingdom. It is a transition time again. He has been rejected. His offer of the kingdom has been rejected by the religious leaders and by the people in general. And so he changes his approach, and he begins to speak in parables. And he says that first parable, we all know that one, but verse 9 is one that says, He who has ears, let him hear. Well, everyone heard. Everyone has ears. What is he meaning? Verse 10 says, Then the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? Parables are, are things that are thrown alongside, literally, parallel, para, and bala is to throw. So you throw it alongside. You have a, a spiritual truth, and you want to throw a, a, a story, an illustration alongside of it. But you have to understand the connection between the two. And the disciples are saying, we, we don't get the connection. And he answered them, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them, who's to them? those who really don't understand, those who really are not accepting, those who are rejecting my message, it has not been given. For to, to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance, but from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in peril, because seeing, they do not see. And hearing, they do not hear, nor do they understand. God says he hides things, he conceals things. And in this way, he was concealing some truth, some people, from people who really didn't have ears to hear, eyes to see, a heart to understand. Of the word of God. Interesting that we get up to the last book of the New Testament, the last book of our Bibles, and after the presentation by Jesus of himself and what he plans on doing in this great book we call the Revelation, he starts addressing seven churches, seven local churches, bodies of believers, and he writes to each and every one of them. Did the angel of the church in Ephesus write, chapter 2, verse 1, the angel of the church in Smyrna write to the angel of the church in Pergamon and so on through chapter 3. But it's interesting that we could just, you know, pick out at the end of each one of them. But I'm going to pick out just verse 22 of chapter 3 at the end. 
And it says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He said that to every one of the churches in their individual letters. But again, he brings up that that little phrase that he used before when he talked about the parables. And he says, now, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to to your church or to the churches as a whole. So again, God has a message, and he wants us to try to understand it. And if we have ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart to understand, if we're right related to God, if we have the Spirit of God in us, we will see what the Spirit is saying, and we will understand. John talks about the fact in in 1 John chapter 2, verses 20 and 27, the fact that now that we have Jesus Christ is our Savior. We have an anointing of the Holy Spirit, a capacity to understand the Word of God through the Spirit of God. We didn't have before. appreciate Pastor's uh, lesson this morning talking about the depravity of man. We are dead. We do not understand the Word of God without the Spirit of God until the Spirit of God has quickened us made us alive, we cannot even understand it. And that's what he's trying to say here also. So there are things that God hides and conceals of his word to those who are not rightly related. Hello. There we go. Oh. I know what it is. Deuteronomy chapter 29. I did not, Deuteronomy 29 is very interesting. I was, wasn't very long in Brazil, 35 years ago. And one of the believers in, in, the, uh, in one of the churches said, oh, yes, that's true. Proverbs, uh, Deuteronomy 29, 29. I said, wow, I've never seen that before. There it is. And the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever that we may do all the words of this law. God doesn't tell us everything. He doesn't. Uh, He's infinite. And I am very finite. My mind is very small. And I really cannot understand. But what he has revealed to us He has given us the Spirit of God, and those are the things that we need to be attending to, the things that he has revealed. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and our children forever that we may do. Not just know, understand, but do all the words of this law in the context of Israel. Job, you know the story of Job? I just presume that you know that story, how God said that there was no more righteous man on the earth than Job. And then the writer, the narrator of the story, tells us what happened in heaven when Satan got in line and... uh, created a great disturbance, I'm sure, when he came up before the Lord 
And there was that conversation. And God allowed him to do certain things to take away all of his wealth, to take away all the, the, the lives of his children in one day. One day. We're not told that, that Joel heard about that conversation. It, all indications are that he never heard about that conversation. Nor did he hear about the next conversation when Satan came back. And God said, did you see? He still is my follower. He's still the most righteous man on earth. Oh, yeah, right. Let me touch his skin. Let me take away his health. And you'll see, Satan said. So God gives him that permission also. And he takes away his health. And again, we never see that God tells him why. Job and his three Friends, we have a, a phrase in, in Portuguese. We talk about friends of a panther, I guess is how we would translate it. Uh, you really don't want to be friends of a mountain lion, a panther, a cougar, as it might be. Uh, that's why these three friends were that kind of friends. Uh, they were no help to him at all. In fact, they tore him down in his faith and trust in God. And there's that conversation going back and forth and trying to convict him in all of that. And finally, there's, then they get all done. Then there's a young man by the name of Elihu that, that says, okay, you guys have said all that you can. Let me give you what I believe the Spirit of God is telling me to say. And he starts talking about, he starts justifying God and talking about God and how he is and how righteous he is and that we have no right to even question what he does. He is God and we are not And then, as he's going and on and, and talking about how God is the other, he is God, and how exalted he is, that all of a sudden he stops and God just takes up from there. You can look in, in Job chapter 38, I think. We'll, we can see that as God takes up from where Elihu has been. Exalting the Lord. Chapter 38, verse 1. Then the Lord answered Job out of the world when it said, Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge, dressed for action like a man? I will question you, and you make it known to me. Do you understand? Do you know this? And God goes on and on and on, and Job says, no, you're right. I wasn't there when you made the world. I really don't understand all this about creation. I don't understand all of these things that we would say science. I don't understand how you do this and that. I really do not. So we get to chapter 42. The last chapter of Job. And then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do all things. And that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. And he quotes what God had said to him earlier. Who is this that hides counsel with knowledge? 
And Job has to confess, therefore, I have uttered what I did not understand. Things too wonderful for me which I did not know. God never did reveal to him. Those things that are concealed by God were continued to be concealed. But we who have the word of God, we have the full story out of God's grace to understand what was happening there. But Job went through that whole trial. Never an explanation by God. Just saying, I am God and you are not. And there are some things you just don't need to know right now. You just need to trust me. You just need to trust me. And that's difficult. And we, we go through trials and difficulties in our lives. And sometimes we question God and we say, why, Lord? Why? My wife and Tammy were raised in a little town in Northern California that you probably heard about a year ago called Paradise. And it was beautiful. It was Paradise. Nestled in the trees. And one day, a fire started. And it went through that city. A fire went through that city faster than it had gone through any city, in, I think, in the world. And destroyed that city completely. Just burned it all up. The Calvary Baptist Church was completely burned. Over 95% of the homes were burned. Commercial stores, everything was burned. Why? We went back there a couple of weeks ago, first time back. And Linda and I saw the high school is standing. Why did God not take the high school? I don't know. I really don't. But across the street from the high school was a cemetery. And I'm going, Lord, why did you preserve the cemetery of all places? I mean, you could have preserved the, the church and, and, and burned the, the cemetery all up. I really don't understand, Lord. I don't. And I probably won't understand. And I don't know if he's even going to reveal to me or give me any answers when I get up to heaven. But God is gracious. We went and visited a family that was involved in the church when they were kids. And they... Um, were having breakfast at 8.30 in the morning and realized that there were flames outside their house. And they got in their car and they drove from 8.30 in the morning until 6 o'clock at night just to get out of the inferno. And it wasn't that far. 20 minutes ordinarily. And their house was preserved. Their house was preserved. Most of their neighborhoods all burned up. I think there's one other neighbor's house that wasn't burned. You know, I I don't understand. God was doing what he was doing. God is God. It is the glory of God to conceal things. It is the glory of kings to search things out. What does he want us to search out? King Hezekiah was such a king. His father was a great king also in Israel. Azza, or I don't know how do we say it in English. Aza? Aza? 
In, in Portuguese, it's Asa. And um, he was a godly king, too. This is the only time I know of in the scriptures, well, of the, the succession of kings, where there was a good king, and then the following king was good, too. And uh, King Jehoshaphat inherited from his father wisdom, and he followed it. And he got into a situation, a terrible situation, of the Ethiopians. It says that there were a million troops coming from Ethiopia, and they were going to take on Jehoshaphat and Israel, and there was no way that they would be able to resist that. So what does Jehoshaphat do? He comes to the Lord. Verse 5 of Second Chronicles 20. Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah in Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the court and said, O Lord God of our fathers, you are not God in, are you not God in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Your hand, in your hand are power and might so that none is able to withstand you. Do you not, our God, drive, did you not, our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? And they have lived in it and have built it for, for you in it, a sanctuary for your name, saying, if disaster comes upon us, the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this house and before you, and for your name is in this house, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save. And now behold, the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came from the land of Egypt, and whom they avoided and did not destroy. Behold, they reward us by coming to drive us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. O oh, our God, will you not ex- execute judgment on them? For we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. It is the glory of God that concealed things, and they did not know what God was going to do. And why he has allowed these three nations to come and threaten them. But it is the glory of kings to search things out and to come before God and lay it out and, and say, Lord, we're dependent upon you. Tell us what to do. Teach us. Guide us. And the Lord blessed them that day as he destroyed the other armies that were coming that day. It is the glory of God to conceal thing, but the glory of kings is to search things out. 2004, we were working as missionaries in Brazil, in Fortaleza, where we are now. We've been there since 2002. And ABWE was encouraging us to multiply missionary movements to encourage the nationals to think about how that they could send out missionaries, not just from America, but now that they had received, they had the responsibility to send out themselves. And so um, they sponsored a consulting consortium, I guess is what we would say, brought together some um, Brazilians and missionaries. We happen to be back here in the United States and uh, reporting to our churches we were able to indicate two young men to go to that. And um, we were trying to see what has God concealed? What was happening 
It had been 10 years since the economy of Brazil had taken a good turn. In 94, they, they, they got rid of inflation successfully. They had a new currency, and things were going well. The churches were finally able to support their pastors. They were sending out missionaries in Brazil, in Brazil, but not beyond the borders of Brazil. And ABWE said, we need to think about sending Brazilians beyond our borders, beyond our context. And so... Out here, we sent um, a group of men to the nearest, our, our Samaria. The Cape Verde Islands have a uh, flight once a week, three and a half hours away across that little creek we call the Atlantic Ocean. Where we're at, we're about as close as you can get. In fact, where we used to live in Natal is only 1,200 miles across there in, in the United States asked for permission to have an air force there to fly across and bomb Rommel in North Africa. And they would fly and fly back in one day. So we're, we're pretty close. You look out there on the map. I always thought of, the United, uh, of South America being under North America. It really is not. It's way over to the east if you look on your maps. So we, we're real close to Africa. And there are the Cape Verde Islands. And we sent a group and to see... What was God doing? What were we supposed to be doing? What were we to find out what God wanted to do? In Malachi 1, 11, it says, For from the rising of the sun to its setting, my name is great among the nations. And in every place, incense is offered in my name and a pure offering. For my name is great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. I believe that, as we read in Esther eight seventeen. That is a result of what God did miraculously through Esther and Mordecai. That many, many people from India to Ethiopia to Macedonia and the Persian Empire became Jews. And put their faith and trust in the God of the Jews. And so Malachi could say, from the rising of the sun to its setting. My name is great among the nations. Every place incense is offered to my name. And a pure offering for my name is great among the nations. But here in Jerusalem, I'm not being worshipped correctly. We took this first and we thought, wow, we have a responsibility. We have a responsibility now that we have churches and pastors and we have the funds. We have the responsibility to raise up People, young people, to take the gospel to other nations from the rise in the sun to the setting. So we helped 13 years ago to form the Maranatha Multicultural Ministries. A Brazilian mission board, sending out Brazilians supported by Brazilians. Okay, we'll go. <laughs> Cape Verde Islands were the first ones we sent missionaries to. They have some missionaries we, that have been there have been moved on to other places, but we still have Fabio and Daniele Brito. Um, in Portugal, we have two families and a single, Paulo Henrique and Sininha Barroso. They've been there. She's actually Portuguese. 
came to Brazil and married uh, Paulo Henrique, and they had their family back there in the city of Porto. Wesley and Lillian Allen Carr arrived there in March of this year. Yes. And then, uh, no, last year, 2018. Wesley and Lillian Allen Carr, uh, that's them. Okay, Ald- uh, then Aldenai there in the bottom, Abispo uh, Hayes, is a, um, I can't say she's a young lady. She's in her 50s. She has served all over Brazil in child evangelism and now is taking her ministry to Portugal. She's raising her support. Boy, I'll tell you. Okay, Guyana. Guyana, we have uh, João and Fabiana Souza that have been there for about 10 years and now Renato and Francilene Santos that went there earlier uh, this year and they are starting a Bible study, a Bible institute. They are trying to resurrect two churches. Can you imagine this? Two churches went 25 years without pastors. How would you last? How long would this church last if you didn't have a pastor? No pastor. Would you last 25 years? The Holy Spirit can do it. And he did it. Now our missionaries are trying to help them uh, to reach their neighborhood and train men to be the leadership that they need to have. Venezuela. You hear Venezuela? And they go, ah, terrible situation. It is. Well, we have two couples that are Brazilian missionaries that are doing a fantastic job. Job the Lord is doing a fantastic job there, using them, planting churches, training in a Bible institute. We now have gone four years. We've graduated seven students, ministerial students. They have another 20 students that are in training, and they are planting churches, radio ministry. There's just some fantastic things happening in Venezuela through these uh, couples and others. Bolivia, we have three single girls, uh, two that have been on the field for uh, a number of years and are working there in reaching orphans and old people and delinquents in one institution. (laughs) And they have seen the gospel save people in all three of those parts of that institution. They also are helping a Brazilian pastor to start a church in that city of Cobija, just on the other side from Brazil. It's a border city in Bolivia. Marcela's raising up her support to go there and help uh, the girls. Argentina, Adriana and Josiane Silva are working down there, doing a great job in starting a church down there. The Gambia, Dr. Eron uh, is a dentist, and he's been working in the Gambia. They've been there a couple terms, and um, his health is uh, deteriorating hers also, and they're probably, in a couple months, they're going to come back to Brazil and not be going back to the Gambia, but rather to Portugal, where there are a number of African Muslims like they have been working with, and the Portuguese churches are oblivious to the spiritual needs of these Muslims. They're not even interested. One pastor confessed that he had lived by the doctrine that he had heard much, many, many years ago. You walking down the road and you meet a Muslim and a snake, choose the snake. Don't go against the Muslim. That's their attitude. Our our missionary is going to help them in their evangelistic zeal to reach the Muslims there. Madagascar, we have a gal working with some other Americans over in the big island of Madagascar. Great job that she's doing in, in there. 
uh, East Timor, way out on the end of the Indonesian chain is a half a, half a island. And ha that half a island belonged to Portugal, and now it's liberated. But uh, Brazil has helped them, sending them judges, sending them policemen, sending them teachers. And uh, now we are going in. We can't go in as missionaries because that's not legal. But they go in as teachers, and we have established a school to teach Portuguese and English and some software type things. So Ronaldo and Talita Fernandes are heading up that. East team, uh, and then uh, Leilani Gomez is working especially with the children and that ministries. Japan. Am I going to get back to Japan? We have, there, there are 160,000 Brazilians in Japan. And uh, they meet together in churches. Brazilians and Peruvians and Colombians and Chileans all together. The services are in Spanish and Portuguese. They just, you know, they all flow in what language ever it is. Because they're pretty close. Fair, anyway. And uh, they need pastors. And they need to get the vision to evangelize the Japanese. And so our missionary is raising his support to, to do that. Unilabi is a university of Portuguese-speaking countries. They come to Brazil from all the former Portuguese colonies and uh, get training there. And we've been evangelizing uh, through our missionaries there. Uh, them and training. I was involved in training. I'll show you in just a minute of training some to go back as pastors there. Uh, Darlene is involved in an international ministry of training for child evangelism all over the Caribbean and Brazil. Uh, we have a couple, Hedges and uh, Jennifer Cordero, that are working. They actually live in California, uh, but they work on the internet and putting out internet um, videos that talk about the Bible. And even children's ministries, uh, children's uh, videos explaining the gospel, the things of the Bible. They're a great ministry. Then we have uh, David and Mariangela Araujo that are working with the deaf. They're in our state of Ceará, Brazil. And then we have a couple who are training to go out as uh, missionaries to the Muslims. I'm not even sure where they're going to go. And what I find out, I probably can't even tell you. But uh, you can pray for Tiago and Germana Andrade that are burdened for that type of ministry also. Then we have Christian. That's, that's not misspelled. That's the way he spells his name. C-R-I-S-T-H-I-A-N. He's Peruvian. And he came to Brazil. And he's starting a church. But he has a goal of this month going back to Peru and getting Peruvians excited about coming and having a cross-cultural ministry experience in Brazil. He was raised in Brazil. He was saved in Brazil. He was trained in, for the ministry in, Brazil, in Peru. He was raised in Peru, born again in Peru, and trained in Peru. And now he wants to see others come there and have that kind of experience. But they're starting a church there in Goiás. Great couple. So Maranatha Multicultural Ministries had a, has had a great global impact all over the world. We can talk about hello, 39 missionaries now, 14 fields or ministries on five continents. That's what God's doing. He was concealing that, but we have tried to search it out. I don't know how many times somebody came to me and said, I want to go to Madagascar. I want to go to Senegal. I want to go to Japan. 
And we're going, well, we haven't even been thinking about that, but I guess that's what God's doing, so we better get on the ball and understand what he's trying to do. And the Lord has continued to bless us. MMM ministries have already reached with the gospel people from 22 countries besides the hundreds of countries reached through the Internet ministry. We have, the MMM has organized three churches and currently in the process of establishing four others. Also, it has established two Bible institutes for training national church leadership. We also have a ministry. I have a ministry in, in teaching at the Maranatha Bible Institute and, and Seminary. That's Marana, it's at Sabima. It's a, yeah, that's got to run it backwards in the way of Portuguese. But that's what we call it, Sabima. And I've been teaching classes, analysis of Daniel, the Pentateuch, the Psalms, uh, biblical teaching, exposition, uh, introduction to the missiology, uh, biblical theology, uh, missiology, missionary life. And then I uh, was teaching for about a year this last, uh, between 2017-2018, I was teaching out there those students that came from the other Portuguese-speaking countries, and we're actually training them they came for a secular education, but then they saw the vision of going back as pastors and as church leaders, and they needed training. And I was working and doing that, teaching biblical interpretation, introduction of the Old Testament, great ministry. Also had the opportunity to come back to a school that I used to teach at and, and do a module on Psalms 1 and 2. Uh, the first time I taught the first 72 Psalms in one week, 46 hours, and then I went back the fall of 2018, and taught the rest of the Psalms in a week to those students. They had a great experience. I loved it. Writing some, some of the writing projects that I've had before, writing on Psalm 110, dispensationalism. Uh, a fellow, I don't know if you've heard, I, I know that you're a real avid fan of the Reformation. Have you ever heard of Pilgrim Marpeck? He was an Anabaptist, theologian. And uh, I was able to do some research and uh, write up about that for a publication for our, our thing. The Third Commandment. Um, our school is celebrating 70 years of its existence and training pastors and, and stuff. And so they're putting out a book this year, and they asked me to write 30 pages. I said, 30 pages in Portuguese. I said, why don't you take your, third, why don't you take your thesis from your, your THM, your master's thesis? And um, I said, but it's 130 pages in English. Yeah, condense it and translate it. I did, and uh, I pray that uh, it'll be a glory to God. I enjoy doing that. And then last year they said, okay, we now have an institute. We are teaching on the bachelor's level. We now have postgraduate sort of a master's level, and we want to go into the doctorate. All of our teachers need to get on and get a doctorate. And we're going to negotiate with Baptist Bible Seminary, Clark Seminary, Pennsylvania, and bring down in a module form for our teachers to get up to that level. I said, okay, I like to study. We'll work on it. So that's supposed to start the first part of 2021. And my wife says to me, Jerry, I know you like to work in Maranatha. And 13 years I've been the administrative director. And these men and women are very precious to me. But you also have been teaching at Sabina. And they're talking, and not only that, the classes that we used to have were like, um, well, we, the first missionary life class that we had 12, 13 years ago, they had, we had 12 students, and eight of them became missionaries. And that's great. Okay, five, eight students. I can handle that maybe. 
But now they're giving me classes of 35 and 43 students. And if my wife doesn't help me, I can't make it. The, the, the school is just exploding with new students. And we praise the Lord for that. But that's a lot more responsibility. And my wife is saying, Jerry, what are you going to do? You can't do Sabima and MMM. Sabima, MMM, you can't do it. You've got to choose. And I said, I don't want to choose. And finally, God said, okay. And in March of this year, I had to choose. Um, circumstances came around. God did, arranged the circumstances so that I had to resign from Maranatha. That was difficult, very difficult. Um, I felt like Deuteronomy, if I get back to it, I, psh, come on. Deuteronomy 3, Moses said, and I pleaded with the Lord at that time saying, Oh, Lord God, you have only begun to show your servant your greatness and your mighty hand for what God is there in heaven or on earth who can do such works and mighty acts as yours. And I felt like that way about Maranatha and how all these Brazilians were out there in the world. And, and you know, I'm just beginning to get, I, 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 I really don't want to give that up. And God said, that's all right. Give it up. He had concealed that from me. I didn't want to make the decision. God made the decision for me, showed me. We have to search out what he's doing in our lives. So what is God doing with the Newmans? Well, Proverbs 25, 2 still says that it's the glory of God to conceal things, the glory of men, of kings, leaders, to search things out. And so we've been searching and see what God would have us to do. News from Brazil indicates the jury's resignation from MMM in March has triggered a chain of events which will result in several position changes, including at least two new Brazilians being added to the administration of MMM. It is so from a missionary perspective, it's always encouraging when the missionary can be replaced by qualified nationals. The global impact of MMM continues, and in that we rejoice. Proverbs 25, 2, it is the glory of God to seal a thing, but the honor, glory of kings is to search out a matter. I'll tell you, my clicker's not doing too well. It doesn't like to be hidden up there. So what's the future have for us? Uh, I will continue to teach classes, but I'm going to need my wife even more as they give me classes of 35 and 40 people, students. She takes role. She helps me make tasks. She tells me, keeps me on, okay, we're going to administrate this and that and this and that. Correcting papers. She was a teacher. So she, she's good. But I need her. Pray for her health. Pray for my health. Um, and then I will be working on the doctorate. I'm excited about it. And uh, we'll see how the Lord does that. And I have some writing projects. These are some of the titles that uh, I would like to write on. These mostly have to do with topics for ministerial students, and I hope to, uh, to get involved in that. We'll do some more writing in the next uh, couple of years. So we came up with a personal ministry mission statement, okay? To equip ministers of the Word of God to be servants of the Lord in Brazilian and cross-cultural contexts. That's what our goal is. And God has continued to give us input into young men's lives. Inacio, there on the right, uh, I remember when he came in and sat down, unsaved, and I greeted him, and a couple of weeks later, he made a decision. 
Then it was months later that he felt called to the ministry, and he came to the seminary, and he was my student. Here, about a year and a half ago now, was his ordination, and he is now pastoring a church that I helped establish. Leandro Cabrera on the left is another one of my graduates, uh, students, and uh, he is very special. He and his dear um, now wife, just about 10 days ago, they got saved, uh, they got married, and uh, he's from way down at the south of Brazil on the Uruguay-Argentine border, and they are now appointed as missionaries to go back to Uruguayana, Rio Grande do Sul, and establish churches in that context. They really look to us uh, for help and advice and uh, counsel. Great couple. Joel Marcos, Maria Celia Moraes moved from the interior of Ceará, our state, and to have their training, they go into the ministry. They will be going back out there to the interior and uh, pastoring out there. Mateus had an experience for three months. He was in Italy, and he came to me during our missionary life class, and he said, you know, Pastor, I was, in, I was in Italy for three months, and I really want to go back. I said, great. But he says, there's a problem. Uh, I went out with the Presbyterians, and the Presbyterians aren't interested in sending missionaries to Italy. I said, well, I have a couple contacts. So we'll be, he said, well, you can help me. Will you help me in those contacts? Will you help train me? Help me get ready to go back to Italy. Praise the Lord for Mateus. Jameson is already pastoring. He, he was our student in the institute level, and then, and now in the bachelor's level again, and uh, he had an eye problem. You can imagine, he had an eye disease, he couldn't read, and yet I'm requiring of him to read 700 pages during the semester. I said, well, have your wife read them to you, and have her help you. And she did. Praise the Lord for a good wife. And uh, he says, Pastor, can you come over and help me in my church? Give me some advice about this and that. The Lord's continuing to help us in that. Diego, he graduated three years ago. I said, Diego... You're graduating. You're going to look into the ministry. You don't even have a girlfriend. You need a wife. He said, I know. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I don't think he was at that time. Then we had this missionary life class, and a young lady, Anna Hakel, Rachel, uh, was in our class, and um, she came up to us about halfway through the, the semester, and she said, Pastor, you won't believe what happened. I said, what happened? She says, Diego finally convinced me after three years that I ought to be his wife. <laughs> Took him three years. They had hoped and talked about getting married in October, but I just talked to them. And uh, they're struggling with finances and trying to know, okay, if the church would increase their amount, he's starting a little work. If they would increase their amount, then maybe they could get married. And so that's sort of a prayer request for us. And the Lord is uh, helping them. Bruno, Bruno came to, to our, our classes at first, and he was talking to me in English. I said, where did you learn English? Oh, I taught myself English. I said, oh, great, you're talking real well. And, uh, and then the next semester in the uh, middle of, uh, well, the next time I had him in class, uh, I was teaching the Psalms, and he's sitting there with a Hebrew Bible, just Hebrew, and helping me, giving me little pointers, I can't teach from that because I can't expect all of my students to know Hebrew. But he's giving me little pointers, and I said, yes, thank you. Where did you learn Hebrew? Oh, I taught myself Hebrew. Oh. 
And then I had him in this class this last semester with Missionary Life. And I caught him just before class, and he's talking on his cell phone with Jews in Israel. I said, you're talking in Hebrew, and you understand them by phone? Modern Hebrew? I says, you have to be, you have to train to be a missionary to the Jews. He says, yeah. So we're going to be working on him, helping him to get ready. Uh, he's way out there as far as languages. But I praise the Lord for what God is doing. What is God doing with the Newmans? Praise the Lord for what God is doing with the Newmans in Brazil and what he has given us. Pray for our, our increases in support that we need to see. Traveling up and down the West Coast, accommodations along the way. Um, I appreciate your prayers about my health. Um, I, we explained to the members of the missions group um, just what the details are that. We want to get a, a second opinion probably the middle of December to the end of January when we're supposed to go, go back. We want to jump through the hoops. We've got to sort of jump through the hoops. You've got to go to a primary doctor who can recommend you to a cardiologist, who can recommend you to a uh, surgical cardiologist to tell us whether we really need to have the surgery. Interesting that every so often I get really emotional watching a movie. At the end of the movie, I cry. And I feel this little pain, you know. This morning out there getting excited about talking to you and folks and, and being here again, I had a little pain. I don't really understand it. And it, it's, it's a little complex. And whether we really need to do anything or not, we're, we're not sure. We're not even sure what, why it happens or when it happens, that type of thing. But um, the Lord takes care and he's keeping us going. And uh, we praise the Lord for his son. Pray for Lydia. She's caring for our house that we rent out there, our car, which has some problems. I tried to take care of them, but I couldn't take care of them before we left. And her studies, she's working on a master's degree in biblical counseling and the financial support for her as she continues to, to teach and, and take care of things there. The real question this morning is, what is God doing with you? What has God concealed that he wants you to search out, to understand the circumstances that he's arranged in your life, the experiences, the education, what he's given you as far as talents, spiritual gifts. What does he conceal that he wants you to search out? I can tell you that I did that as a high schooler, and I've never been sorry. My senior year in high school, I understood that God wanted me to be a foreign missionary. And I changed drastically from preparing to be a botanical research scientist to being a foreign missionary. God revealed that to me because I searched it out. I sought him. I challenge you. What does God want to do with you in your life even now? What is he concealing that he really wants you to search out and see what he is doing in your life? Thank you. Jerry, I'm going to have you stick here and, and bring Linda up as well, as well as bringing up the elders and the deacons. And we'd like to pray for our missionaries together as a church family. Let's all stand together as a church family and also have the worship team come and, and prepare for our final song together. Let's pray. 
Father, it's always good to have uh, our missionaries here at Christ Fellowship sharing what uh, God is doing in, in a faraway place. We thank you for uh, the Brazilian people and for raising up nationals to, to go uh, to the nations. What, a, what an amazing reality that is. And Lord, I thank you for the Newmans, their faithfulness to you over the years. And we continue to commit them to you now. And we pray for Jerry's health that you would give the doctors wisdom to know exactly how to proceed. Uh, we pray for them as they continue to minister to churches before they head back to the field, that these would be encouraging, uh, enriching times for them. Help them to, uh, to engage with the people of God here and that they would receive an encouragement as well. Lord, we uh, ask that their ministry would go forth with mighty power, uh, that you would use them in amazing ways so that uh, young men would, be equipped to serve in the local church, to, to serve as pastors and, and raise up elders and leaders and deacons, all for the glory of God. We hear that heart uh, from Jerry this morning, his desire to, to build in the lives of, of young men. And we heard Linda say earlier that there really is a shortage of godly men. And so we ask that you would raise up uh, a new generation of, of godly men to raise a, a high and holy standard. Lord, we, we thank you for this time together this morning. And now as we sing this final song, may our hearts be set upon the nations and the God of the nations, and the Lord Jesus Christ and all he's accomplished for us. In Jesus' name, amen.